I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English Lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow Lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. Welcome, everybody, to Lit and Libations. Uh, so I'm really excited to talk about Cassandra at the Wedding by Dorothy Baker. Uh, As I really, am really I. enjoyed this book. This is such a like a unexpected gold nugget of a book. Like, I just think this right? is so amazing. I've never heard about it. I've never yeah. I'd never heard of the author before until you had mm-hmm. suggested the book. And... I can't understand why this book is so good. I'm so excited to talk about it. I know, me too. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope you guys got a chance to read it. Um, if you haven't, we are going to be talking about the entire book in this episode. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to know what happens, stop, go read the book, finish the book, and then come back. And you have to already at this point our full endorsement. It is worth purchasing. It is worth reading. Yes. It is worth listening to if you're into the audiobook, whatever method you have or desire, because I know that this book is kind of hard to get your hands on right now. Um, definitely worth it. I think it's spectacular. So there's there's your full endorsement. Go get the book. And come yeah. back so once good, you've yeah, read it. Yeah, so you don't have spoilers. Um, so before we get into it, though, uh, Sadie, why don't you yes. let everybody know what our next book is going to be? So again, uh, in two weeks. Yes. So our next book is going to be The Hate You Give. Um, this is the first YA or young adult novel that we've we've discussed on the podcast. It's written by Angie Thomas. And... Um, we just think, where I, I at least I just think um, that this book is a really important one to talk about right now. Um, it's a banned book in a lot of schools, and there's a movie about it, which I didn't know until Audra informed me today. Um, but it's a really good book. I just it's know a, everything. <laughs> it's about a young. I tell my children. Um, it, <laughs> it's about a young black <laughs> teenager, a girl, um, who's attending a, an elite private school, um, a white school, mostly predominantly white school. Um, and it it is about this girl kind of in the the midst of a tumultuous time in her community regarding a police shooting of a friend of hers. And I think it's just important to talk about so many things I think everybody has an opinion and everybody has like a perspective on conversations like this and I think it's so important to to read stories like this and I'm really excited because um I love when uh YA tells stories like this like I Mm -hmm. think that these are just yeah these are important adult stories that are told that are being told now in, in a way that um, are, you know, that takes, like, teenagers and, and young young adults really seriously with serious topics. And I yeah. think that that um, is going to be really interesting to, to read, and, and it's going to be a lot different than anything we've covered before um, because of the fact that it's, it's aimed at younger adults. Yeah. 
I'm excited. I know, and I'm. I remember seeing when the movie came out, and see, I've seen the book, especially because it's been banned lately. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the <laughs> lists of recently. So I'm like, okay. Uh, so I'm excited to read it and get into that genre because I really haven't done too much young adult Harry Potter and like Percy and the Olympians. I read those. Uh, mm-hmm. That's about it. So I've done. You're like, a little bit. You've 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 dipped your you've dipped a. A whole foot in the water. I feel like I've yeah. dipped like a toe. I've I well I took a um, a young adult fiction class in mm-hmm. college, and then um, I took like a teaching literature class as well. So we were required to choose texts that were suitable for younger ages, like middle grade and yeah. a younger high school. So I've been kind of like forced. Not that it was, like, that hard to force me, but, like, I've been in a position where I've had to evaluate the genre. And there's a lot of really good yeah. stuff there. Um, there's there's uh, people sometimes, I think, um, undercut young adult fiction because it's not maybe as uh, challenging to read. But I think it, that it can be just as challenging as anything for adults um, as far as sure. conversation and the topics that are covered. And so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really great read. I'm really excited to do it. Yeah, me too. Um, it'll be good. So go and pick out a copy of that. That should be easier, uh, to find than this one was. Hopefully you guys were able to get a copy because it was, I mean, it's, it's, maybe it's a little harder to get a physical copy, but it's on audible and it's on, um, I always forget about that. I just never really listened to books. Um, I don't either. I should. I don't I, either. I, I, I have a hard yeah. time with, I have a really hard time with audiobooks, but I actually did listen to like a sample of this one and it didn't, I didn't hate it because for me, it's really touch and go with how the, the reader is like talking, the narrator, you know, yeah. um, as far as how listenable it is. Um, and this one, I did, I did not hate it. So I think it's, it's definitely worth it. As long as you get the book, I think whatever way you decide to digest it, I think it's worth it. It's because it's so funny. It's just so good. Yes. I really loved it. Um, yeah. So let's get into it, but we do need to discuss our libation. Yes, yes, we do. Uh, so would you like to go first? Sure. Um, I thought that there would be nothing better to have. Well, maybe, I don't know. So I didn't have brandy and soda on hand, but I did have uh-huh. uh, some champagne. So I thought I'd toast Me the too. champagne. And you had champagne Me too. Me too. I did champagne too. That was Yay. my exact same thing because I was like, I was like, well, well, that was in the book. That was a funny little point. So I uh, made. I thought that would be appropriate. Oh Yay! Gosh. We've never done matching drinks before. That's awesome. This is a first in, in libation. Yes, history. it is. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So mine is um, Maison de Madeleine Brut Rosé. Brian bought it for me, and it's actually pretty good. So I'm happy with it. Um, well, I have uh, Vieux Clicquois. Ooh. It's also Brut. Um, is it also Brut? Yes. Yeah. So we literally this are my having favorite. the same drink. That's great. Yeah, this is my favorite champagne, and I love the story of Madame Clicquois. Like, I actually have this book. I haven't read it yet. It's in my pile, which is just getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I really got to, <laughs> I need to stop going to the bookstore. Um, you need to post a picture of your pile. That's what I want to see. I do, I want to see, fi- see the pile. 
I went to a super cute bookstore and so Kendrick and I were just in the Outer Banks mm-hmm. and um, like Virginia and I went to the super cute little bookstore in the Outer Banks. It was like teeny, but it was so cute and they had great books and I bought like four or five books there nice. because I don't know, I wanted to support it and they were books I wanted to read. But that was kind of stupid. My luggage was so heavy. Oh, my <laughs> God. Like, three of them were hard covers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah. What were? How did we start talking about buying books? Um, oh, finding this book. The, the, the story of... No, it's the story of whatever your wine is called. Oh, about oh. So anyway, I have I have this book about Madame Clicquois that's on my pile of books to read, and I she's super interesting. She invented like two of the techniques that they oh, wow. use for like modern champagne now, and you know, it was this woman running this in like a world dominated with men? You know, like yeah. in the early it was like I don't know, I can't remember what year, but a long, long time ago. Um, Jeez, it's still dominated so I'm ex- by men. So, yes, I know what it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so that's it's my favorite. That's funny. Well, cheers. 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 Enjoy your champagne. <laughs> I've got mine in a in a really cute uh, champagne coupe. That's lovely. Coupe you you have such good stemware. We do. I, I put mine in, in one of those corksicle <laughs> cups, so it stays. I like it cold. Yeah. Like it I really it like cold. it cold. Cold. Yeah. Yeah. So stainless function over. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, you have great stemware. I need to up my stemware game. Mm. That's really funny. Well, I hope you guys uh, also can enjoy a nice cocktail if you are at home mm-hmm. <laughs> listening mm-hmm. to this. I don't know. I don't listen to podcasts at home. I only listen to podcasts when I drive. Ditto. So I hope that when you're listening to this, if you're in your car, that you are not enjoying a nice cocktail. But I hope that this yes. c- this conversation um, inspires you to when you're done with the podcast and you've gone home for the for the day or for the <laughs> evening. Have to, a nice cocktail. To pour yourself a cold one and, and enjoy something nice. Yes. Um, okay, so if you didn't read the book, maybe just a quick little synopsis. So um, Cassandra at the Wedding is about uh, two twin sisters. Um, and they are going back to their family's ranch in like the Sierra Nevadas for, for their wedding. Um, for Judith's wedding. So it's Judith and Cassandra. And Judith is getting married to this young doctor. Cassandra is going to the wedding mostly to uh, stop it. <laughs> uh, 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 really. Yeah. Uh, and and it kind of just goes over there. Uh, you know, there's a fraught relationship, which we can talk more about. Like, I think the relationship between the sisters is super interesting. And yeah. Cassandra is, is, she's gay and she's really you know, witty and kind of biting and narcissistic and, Mm -hmm. but also lovely and she's all of the things. (laughs) Yeah. Just love, like uh, just kind of a loner, but that wants to feel not alone. Yeah. Um, anyway, and, and then her sister, Judith, you get to hear from as well. I love that. I thought it was only going to be Cassandra's point of view at first. I did too. But I think so. That I don't know why I, I thought I don't know why I thought that, but I thought it would be just Cassandra, and I love when it shifted to Judith. I did too. I thought it was. Um, I think this this uh, book, like kind of like any book, does with when you're dealing with twins. You know, I think like I think usually like authors put twins in 
for a multiple of reasons. It's narratively interesting, but it's also like I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of thematic elements when you think about twins and like the nature of twins yeah. and what it's like to to go through life literally mirrored with another person. And um yeah, I just I thought it was really interesting that way and, and um I didn't really expect to get Judith's perspective either because I think that um she's kinda in all in on in all of the kind of like crazy ways that Cassandra's really interesting, Judith is kind of boring and she's still like valuable and like she's still very great as a character. But it's interesting to see the way that they mirror or complement each other. And, like, I think that that's, like, a theme throughout the novel, which is common with, again, like, twins in general. But um, I just thought it was really good in this book. Yeah, I really liked it, too. So we can – I definitely want to talk more about that element, the twins element. Um, But Judith is marrying – you get the sense that they were were living together – out in what, like Berkeley? Yeah. Because Cassandra's going to Berkeley. Yeah. And they're living together and they like, you know, bought a piano. I love the element about them buying a piano and mm-hmm. they have the piano in their room because Judith plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you learn, you know, Judith left and went and spent time in New York. I think it was like six months or something that they've been apart. Yeah. And has met, met this man that she's marrying. He's a young doctor. Loved that character too. Um, oh, it was then, nine months. It was nine months because I think that months. there's definitely something going on with the nine oh, months. Oh, the nine months. All. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was nine months. I thought the same. Th- I remember. You're right. I remember thinking that too. Um, and so Cassandra goes to back to their family ranch where uh, their father still lives. You learn their mother has died of cancer. Yeah. And the father lives there with her, their mother's mom. And it's like this big, sprawling, beautiful ranch. I pictured just like this. I don't know, lots of glass and wood, just like this stunning, what people call a cabin, but is like a, a mansion. I was thinking like a Californian mid-century modern crazy yeah, mansion yeah. with really random levels and then just glass paneling along like whole walls just being glass leading out to like the back pastures. Um, that's yeah, kind of what I Yeah, because this is set in what, like the... This is set in like the fifties, I think. I think so. Or it right? might it might just be quote unquote modern setting where like they maybe I can't remember if they ever say a specific date, but the book was published in like sixty two or something. So I think it's supposed yeah, to be around yeah. that time. Yeah, it is like you're right, it is. Uh, not fifties, yeah, like late fifties, early sixties is kind of what I was getting the sense. Yeah. But yeah, and yeah. that's when it was written was nineteen sixty two. Um but Cassandra goes to like attend the wedding, but really that's like to break, like, to, to make sure it doesn't happen and get back with her sister. Um, so it can be just the two of them. And there's just, and then it's just all these lovely scenes of her interacting with Judith and with her father and with her grandmother and all of them together and, mm-hmm. you know, learning about them through all these interactions. And then she meets and, and they get drunk. <laughs> they have like a really drunken night, the sisters. And, and then she meets the fiance the next day. And then, um, you know, there's more goings on and then Cassandra uh, tries to k- kill herself, takes too many sleeping pills or, well, not just sleeping pills. Like it goes through all of what they are. I can't remember, but a couple different pills that her therapist has, has prescribed her. Um, and so then it's, you know, Judith and then Judith dealing with that, with her sister and her fiance is saving her sister and, yeah. uh, 
and then it's kind of all of that period of trying to save Cassandra and then Cassandra's recovery. And then the end is kind of them together. And it's, I love the ending. I mean, it's I mean, like it's a, I would say a happier ending, but it's, I just felt so realistic and sad and lovely. Like it was just a really nice ending. Um, but yeah, Judith gets, well, they already had got married, right? They like went and got married before they even came back. And then they end up having this nice big wedding and inviting everybody. And it's just, and that ends with her getting married and Cassandra gonna be on her own. Um, yeah, but I think, but it's great. I like you said, I think like the ending is like, I felt closure at the ending. Like it, I don't know, like it, yes. like to to the relationship, like it still felt, um, like it felt like there's a way forward. Um, yeah, this it's interesting because this book is like, you know, th- these are adults. I think I think if it says correctly, they're like twenty four or something. They're around yeah. like graduate yeah. school level of, of age, yeah. average if you stay on track. Um, yeah, but, but it gosh, felt still a baby. but it felt kind of like a coming of age novel in a way with Cassandra of oh, like her totally. like growing up and it was interesting getting that perspective from like an older character than what we true like typically mm-hmm. see with coming of Instead age. Instead of like the teenager kind of yeah. 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 Yeah, I agree. I I I really agree and I liked kind of how they both had already um I'm going to sneeze. <laughs> Bless you. Oh, times two. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always sneeze in multiples. It seems like. Um, but I, I love that they're. You know, they've kind of been living on their own. Like they've been. It's like not necessarily a coming of age from their parents. It's like right. a coming of age from each other. I mean, yeah. or coming of age from their past. Like you know, they're dealing with their mother's death and their father's off. I love the description of their father. How he's this. <laughs> philosophy professor who retired because <laughs> it irked him to have to meet appointments. Which is something like, only a philosophy professor philosophy is going to have a problem yeah. with. <laughs> I just, I love it. I love his dad, like, because he, their dad, he, I just think he was hilarious. I mean, I would not like him as a father. <laughs> that would be really hard uh-huh. for me, but like, how he obviously is very dedicated to and loves his daughters, but he's like so out in like just all things esoteric that like he right. can't really concretely give them like advice. Love, if that makes like, sense, yeah, he can't. And ex- it's like, of course, yeah, yeah. And it's like, but they're they're wealthy enough because of their ranch that he can just like not work. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, no, I think this book is really interesting because it's like taking place during like the height of like consumerism and privilege right like the like the privilege privilege of this family but it's it's done in such a way that like it doesn't feel like frivolous like it feels like no they don't I don't feel like they feel like they're they don't seem frivolous people to me they're actually they all are really self-deprecating in a way that I think is was really nice to read because that self-deprecation especially in Cassandra's part like helps make her likable yeah. Um, yeah. It's not the only thing, but it helps. I mean, and she, you know, she is pretty narcissistic. Like she, she I is mean, not in, but like that, in like an inward way, if that makes sense. Yeah. But like that sarcasm, like, I think she's more like, she's very egocentric in the sense that I think she's yes. thinking about things in her perspective and her worldview. And 
Well, I wouldn't even say worldview, but just of like what's convenient or best for her, kind of in a way, which I don't really blame her for. Well, she's just like, yeah, she's just like incapable of reading a room. Like she's incapable. She's so focused on her own goings on that it's like distracting. Like she's not able to really understand what other people are thinking or feeling, especially when it concerns her. (laughs) And it's interesting to read that, like her thoughts on what she thinks Judith must be thinking or how Judith feels. Right. And it's obvious before you even hear from Judith, that's not what she would be thinking or feeling. Yeah. Can I and just, then Judith, and like, but it's just, it's almost laughable. It's like, wow, like you really have no idea what's going on. Oh, and like, it's one of like the hundred funniest things about this book. So like this book is yeah. so funny, so clever, so funny, so, so funny, so fucking funny. And not in, in like a, like, jokey way but just in a fucking funny clever way like I think like one one part oh I love I love the writing yeah one part that like their dialogue with each other oh oh do you have like a specific part you want to read yeah so like just like one little teen example I'll find other better ones but like she's talking about how they talk about their plans like what are they going to do in the future together we could live someplace else couldn't we I heard her say and this is Cassandra speaking Mm -hmm. we could well the narrator is Cassandra. We could live somewhere else, someplace else, couldn't we? I heard her say. We could live in Paris. We'd look just as much alike in Paris as we do here. But it wouldn't matter. They'd overlook it. That's why colored people go to Paris. To be overlooked, I said. I'm not sure I want to be overlooked. And I don't want you to be either. And, like, she's just, like, it just goes on and on. And they just have this, like, banter with each other all the time. Well, there's, and yeah. it's it's hilarious. Like, it's passive-aggressive, but but in a funny way and like loving, but also like they're both obviously very smart and witty and like, yeah, they're just funny. Like I would just enjoy, I just enjoy their dialogue. There's, there's one part um, where Cassandra, I think it's, I think it might be like when they're talking about the wedding dress. Um, Oh yeah. So they, so this is hilarious. So she's so proud. Cassandra is so proud of the dress that she has bought that she charged to her grandmother's account, which is um, so 1960s by the way. Yeah. (laughs) So 1960s and just describes how lovely the dress is and she looks great in it. It is interesting that we can talk more about this, but like her obvious eating disorder. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's very much about like her outward look. But she describes it in like a way that's so relatable because it's not, it's not like that. It's not really that she's super concerned about her beauty. It's just like she, that's something she can control very much is like how she looks. Does that make sense? Like she can, which is interesting. But, um, and so she's so excited. And so she shows the dress and it's the exact same dress that her twin sister bought to wear as her own wedding dress. Well, and it's just so funny because she's so proud of it. Like, it's so simple. It's such a bridesmaidy kind of dress, you know, like she thinks everybody, like, especially the grandma is going to be so proud of her for finding something so conventional and like, Uh and like practical. But at the same time, A, I laughed out loud when it turns out to be a white dress. I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, I know this is 1962, but buying a white dress as a bridesmaid, uh-uh. I don't, I don't care what era you are. Maybe it didn't matter as much back, matter as much back then, but it matters now. You don't buy a white dress. But, you know, the simplicity of it, she's like, oh, like, yes. Judith is going to be in something covered in lace and, and like, embroidery and beading, and it's going to be spectacular, and I'm going to look so plain compared to her. And then they have the same dress. 
it's just hilarious. But there's this part where oh, I love how they. There's yeah. this part, I think, around there where the grandmother says something, and I cannot remember what she says, but this is just an example of, like, how clever I think the writing is, is Cassandra describes it as, like, she heard, she she hears what the grandma says, and then she says that it made her eyes hurt. <laughs> and, like, I love, like, just the the, like, ridiculousness of hearing something that makes your eyes hurt. You know, like, cause you, like, it's, oh, it yeah. just doesn't well, make sense. It's so funny. She's, no, there's that, it's that, in that section, she goes, um, like, she's, brings out the dress and she's showing them and she's describing, like, the dress and it's like she's, like, selling them on it because they're not really saying anything <laughs> or making a reaction when they see the dress. And then, which I'm sure they did have looks on their faces, but again, part of how Cassandra is, is it's hard for her to really read the room. So it's like she's a little late yeah. to understanding what's going on because she's so, she has to wade through all of her own shit first before she can, like, see what's going on with other people. Yeah. <laughs> but so she finally, like, comes to and she hears, um, she's, Granny didn't look baffled. I hadn't seen her look so excited in years. Oh, Cassie, this is rich, she said, after all these years of you two refusing to dress alike. <laughs> and then she kind of goes into, like, her own feelings on it, like, you know, um, and then all of a sudden, she, let's leave God out of this, I heard Jude say. And I sat up straighter and asked her what she'd been talking about because she's, like, zoned out and now zoned back into the conversation. And Jude, Jude is saying, let's leave God out of this. And then she said, where have you been, Jude said. And I told her here, but not listening. And then she told me that Granny had been saying it all went to prove that God had meant us to dress alike all the time. <laughs> How else, after 24 years of carefully avoiding any duplication in clothes, could we have come up with the same dress in two separate cities all independently and for the same occasion? And, like, their grandmother's just so triumphant, like, about this. And it's just... It's hilarious, and it's interesting how they both take it, and it becomes this, like, catalyst, though, yeah. for all of these feelings, like this, like, that it's the wedding dress, and they both pick it out, and, you know, Cassandra is having, to how I read it, she's having just a really hard time with not being with her sister, and, like, what does this mean to be on my, to be on my own? Like, that's how I interpreted it. It's like, oh, who, yeah. who am I if it's not with Judith? And also, Cassandra is gay. Yeah. And Judith is getting to go and be with her love. And Cassandra can't really do that, at least not in the way that, you know, her sister right. can. And I get it. And that's got to be. It's got to be difficult. But I also get the sense that she's kind of. So I will just say, like, the back of the book is way more explicit about her sexuality than anything in the book. It is all really. I thought the whole relationship with her and her therapist. No, was I mean like I think it's so erotic. I think it is erotic, but I think in the sense like nobody ever says. I mean, they literally say, "Don't say the word." Like, I mean, and I think it's obvious, but I, in the sense of like explicitness, it's not as explicit of this being an issue for her. Like, she's not having thoughts of like she gets to marry and I will never get to marry. It's not something that explicit in the sense of like what her no she doesn't is. say it like that but like but i th yeah. so i get the the sense from her that there's like a that she's almost uncomfortable with it in a way like like she with what with, with her own sexuality not in the sense that she's oh. not willing to like that she's not interested, that she's not going out because there's a lot of, like, hinting at her 
going out every night and like kind of sleeping around, staying out late. And um but I but I get the sense that she's I got the sense from her that she's not necessarily super comfortable with it and, and that the security that she has in her like it, it almost feels like without her sister, like she's almost gonna have to actually like fully face her identity as a whole. And I think her sexuality is part of that. And that if like if only she and her sister could just like be just together forever, then neither of them would ever have to face this part of themselves. Does that make sense? Like Yeah, it totally makes sense. I think that's a really interesting because I didn't look at it that way. I just hadn't thought it like I thought of it more like she was I I got I took the sense that she was comfortable with her sexuality. It's just that they're they just seem so waspy to me. Mm. And like waspy wasps don't typically like they're a little they're reserved, mm. mm-hmm. you know, in in a lot of ways. And like I think especially with sexuality, I don't know. So I just kind of took it like she's just really waspy. So like it's just like a she wouldn't talk about it in that way. But I got the sense that she was comfortable with it, but it like but that part of the uh, otherness, aloneness, is the fact that she can't not have like a wedding necessarily, but have her person. It's like her sister Judith is getting to be with her person, mm-hmm. you know, and so she can't really in that way. And so that makes it even harder when, well, you know, Judith, they, they separate from each other. But but I think that's what's interesting. Like it's just there's different interpretations of it. And mine's probably fl- like affected by my own feelings and like yours is by you know how you feel about well i think i mean like the question of whether how comfortable she is with it or not is like there's so many levels to it when you're talking about the queer community because i think she's comfortable in the sense that she is secure enough in how she feels that she's going out and she's actually is living her life and she is going out with women and she is talking and dating with women and stuff. But I think at the same time, I think that, um, like there's so much, you know, there's, there's all this again with twins, this like duality of seeing your life mirrored or maybe what your life could have been if something was slightly different. Um, Mm -hmm. and, when I think Judith goes and she leaves and she meets a man and they fall in love and they're going to get married, I think that it brings attention to the fact that Cassandra's not living that life. And so it brings attention to, I think, her sexuality in a way that's indirect, but I think like, just by light of comparison of how their lives are kind of going, like I think it brings more yeah. attention to it and it, I think it it forces her in some ways to like confront her identity and her future and like her individuality differently than if she was just like going through life the way she had been the nine months that Cassandra had been gone. Yeah. So, I I mean, there's just, again, like there's just so many levels. Like I think it's so interesting. Um, page 100 of the edition that I have, um, which one do you have? Uh, I'm thinking we have the exact same one. Yeah, we have yep. the same one. Oh, yeah. Well, we got it from the same yeah. spot. I forgot because I sent you that one. Um, yeah. So th- it's when they're talking about the dress, I think. And the 
She says, first you accuse us of planning a practical joke. Then you want us to get fixed up like the Bobsies, Granny. Where do you stand? I'd really like to know. I, know. I said, as if I didn't. <laughs> Granny looked sad. I've never been able to see anything wrong with your being. Don't say it, I said. Don't say that word. Nobody else who is one feels this way about it, Grant said in the aggrieved voice she always uses for this particular <laughs> conversation, the conversation about our conditions, so to call it. Like, I just think it's like <laughs> this. the narration of this book is so interesting because I think it's so aware of an audience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> which is so, which is why one of the, one of the reasons why I think like her sexuality isn't explicitly like talked about but it's so clear at the same time yes um yeah well she it's like talked about like how you would really just live it it's just it's i mean it's it's almost like maybe this is this is this isn't i don't know how to explain it but it's like you know how when you're reading some books or even do this in some movies, it's like the way that they communicate what's going on, it almost comes off as pandering a little Mm -hmm. bit. Like just, just have the dialogue, just have the scene as it really is. And you can, you know, if you write it well enough, you can figure out kind of all of these subtexts and backstories without it being explained. I don't know. I can't think of a good example, but it's like, there's some dialogue. So-and-so said, and like the dialogue basically, like the, the it's, ex- like, it's like you don't go into a wrap up with your friends every time you meet up with them. Like, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you since blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And go on and on. It's like to catch people up. It's like just. Well, it's like, it, the, ex- it's like the exposition isn't there until it comes up naturally. Yes. Like it like the stuff with the mom, I think, is a great example of that, of like this, this like, the, you know, she's talking about her mom and she's like. Some say she died too young. I'm not really sure about that. Like, I think that's, like, such a weird thing to say. But then you're like, well, what the fuck happened with the mom? Like, what's going on? But you don't know. You don't find out until it comes up naturally in this family conversation. And I think that that's one thing that is is really fun and interesting to read about this book is that there is, like, little to zero exposition as far as the actual history of these characters. And you just find it along the ride. And it's interesting because so I was reading a little bit about Dorothy Baker and I guess she, you know, kind of really emulated the style of like Hemingway, mm. kind of that more like, you know, with less of that exposition. I take like like I love that short story he did Hills Like White Elephants. And it's these this couple talking and they're talking about abortion, but they never once say the word. Yeah. They don't really just, it's not described, like, but you know that is exactly what they're talking about. And it's so well done. And her writing is like this to me too. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a fun, you've got to work at it. Like, it's like, you don't have to work. If you just read this book without really looking for anything or putting any effort in, you can get the story and the gist of everything and it would be really enjoyable. But if you like work a little bit, I feel like at kind of finding those gaps where there isn't this exposition, Mm -hmm. It's like, I don't know, it's challenging in a really good way. Like it really adds depth to the story when you like do the work to kind of figure out what the, what their relationship must have been like with their parents and with each other and how the whole, you know, the death of their mother has affected them and all these ways that they don't really talk about, but you can figure out. And so it just adds all these different layers to the to the story, which I really like. Like you can just thinking about it of what's not said adds this whole other layer as much as what is actually said 
said. Yeah, you really actually have to like read between the lines here. And I think it's um I I think it's fun to read in that way. And I also think like it's just so real as far as like a dynamic of a family goes. It's it's really oh, interesting. Yeah. Like like I love one thing that I think is really interesting about Cassandra is she's she's like in graduate school at Berkeley to become a teacher. But really, she wants to be a writer, but she's not a writer because her mother was a prolific writer. <laughs> and who wants to try to measure up to their parents? Because either you're going to beat them and you're going to offend them, or you're not going to measure up and then you're going to feel shitty about it. And <laughs> it's like yeah. such a relatable thing. And I think it's just such a fun thing to explore. And I also think it's fun, um, you know, like talking about their dad like we were before, of how he, like you said, is so esoteric in the way he responds to questions or like conversations that it's almost like come on just have a real conversation with me um but also i love it's like it's a way to hide it's a way to not confront some things well and clearly he has a lot of demons because he's not really confronting stuff directly like that and also he's an alcoholic and he's just dripping with the scent like from his pores of brandy or hennessy or like whatever um yeah but you know what I found really refreshing about the dad is that he is this, like, kind of, I mean, he is this kind of not, he's not absent, but kind of distant father. Yeah, he's but, emotion, He's someone emotion. he's emotionally distant. Like, he's, it's like he's, there's this fog but around he's him. Still, like, it's not a wall. Yeah, it's not a wall. And he is an alcoholic, but he's not, like, a nasty alcoholic. Which I think is, like, something that's usually more, like, looked into of, like, how alcohol makes people kind of yeah, brings I out the worst a, sides of them. Yeah, I think it's a different portrayal. It, but, yeah, it's not a stereotype. Like, he's definitely his own own character, and it's different, and it's yeah, nice. Yeah, like, his, his, like, his you can sense the love there And still. his alcoholism is, like, really just kind of about him. Right. Instead of like about other people. And I think that also that question of like individuality and individuality in the context of a big goal of family is um, central to this book of just like how we kind of like deal with it. I don't know. There there was this section in the afterword that was written by um, Deborah Eisenberg. That I thought was really interesting Mm -hmm. where she kind of talks about how, like, basically, um, like, as soon as you're out of the womb, you know, you're you're alone more than you've ever been. Like, the only way to truly kind of be attached and close to someone is literally in the womb. Um, And then after that, it's just kind of like, as much as people are taking care of you, you're still alone in a way and I think that is like the idea of loneliness and Cassandra's loneliness um and Judith's loneliness is so interesting and like the way that they don't even necessarily recognize that the other person's lonely it goes back into that egocentrism you know like it's just so interesting it's so fun to read but also, like, so sad and so real. Like, this is truly a dramedy, but it just made me laugh so hard and also made me feel so many things. And it's like they're all their own worst enemies. Oh, like, absolutely. Which is funny because then they're like, 
they're this twin. It's like they're this mirror image and how, I mean, we are often our own worst enemies. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're twin, you're, you know, whatever. Parallel universe. I always think it is kind of like like that, though. It is kind of like a parallel universe, especially with these two women. Like I think, like I said, like I, I think mm -hmm. in all of the the interesting kind of like erratic behavior that Cassandra has, Judith is more like steadfast or like chill. Yeah, but equally floundering. Like she's equally as like she's just kind of more like. I feel like they're both floundering with like, what does it mean to be me? What does it mean to be an individual? What does it mean to, you know, like find your identity, like who you are, which is, you know, what you struggle with when you come of age and like, yeah. who am I? And what, like all of those things. And they both are kind of floundering with that. Cause that's hard. That's a long process and a hard yeah. process. And they, and they respond to it in very different ways. And um, so it's, it's nice to have this like, here's one path one could take, here's another path, you know, and, and that Mm -hmm. idea of them, but then there are these twins and how inextricably linked they are with each other. It is really interesting. It's just like, it's a very different coming of age story, I think, than is usually represented. And it's really nice because it's almost like you get multiple viewpoints. Well, absolutely. And then I think like the question of two of like when people feel lonely and also when people feel like possessive kind of other of other people is really interesting because I think Cassandra like she looks at like their life together when they live together in Berkeley together as like just the standard of just like normal time and that's when it was good and this is how it's bad now but like that was what she wants to kind of get back to is just being like together but then when they are actually talking about their apartment and what it was like to live together, Judith is like, no, I was really lonely because you were gone all the time. You were constantly out. You know, I felt lonely. Yeah. And that's part of what I think Judith's the Judith's um, reason was to leave. You know, she it, like even though she was born later, it feels like she matured a little faster and she was like, oh, shit, like I'm lonely I'm relying on my sister for like my sense of like companionship I I I need to go Mm -hmm. and so she leaves and she finds companionship somewhere else and then it's it's like Cassandra's feelings of loneliness doesn't come until after Judith is gone and I think that's also like a really good example of like ways that we appreciate people um, or rather don't appreciate people until they're gone. I don't know. Like I think yeah. I, I think like there's kind of an assumption or I think Cassandra in her um, egocentric behavior and like way of viewing life, I think she she kind of before viewed their relationship and their closeness and their going through life together and only together as inevitable and as just how it was going to be. And then it wasn't until that changed that I think like her desire for that really came like fully to the front, you know? Yeah. Um, And I think that's, that's also like 
such a an interesting point of coming of age is is like people reach it at different points and sometimes that dissonance or or um that very variety of of when people mature can be really difficult to process and difficult to go through yeah i agree and it can feel very isolating which yeah. you know, is already something Cassandra struggles with. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's a really, really hard time. Yeah. And I can totally relate and to I it as a sibling, like even like outside of being a twin, which like a twin just exacerbates all of the things that siblinghood does. Yeah. That's interesting. I want to talk about that too, because we obviously have very, you know, I, I don't have any siblings yeah. and you have five siblings and And then, you know, just how different those experiences are, but then factor in, you know, being a twin. I, I was trying to talk to my, so one of my best friends is a twin. Um, and I was going to talk to her about like, and like kind of ask her some questions that I had about, you know, kind of talk to her about this book and kind of what are your feelings on different things. But I wasn't able to talk to her anyway, but I, I still want to, because I think it would be so interesting. It's just the differences there. So what are your I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how did you relate with just, you know, from your experience of having siblings and cause I, I'm really interested. Well, in that. I mean, like, I think there's, so, I mean, my siblings and I, like, we really, our age differences made a huge difference in how we were close growing up and also sure. how we aged. Um, so there were times sometimes that I felt like being closer in age were a hindrance. Whereas if we had had a larger age gap, then that person would have been more mature to like understand my own immaturity. You know, like Megan and I are nine years apart and we've pretty much always been really close. Whereas Lara and I are five years apart and we've gone back and forth between having, um, a more difficult, argumentative kind of relationship and also being really close. Mm -hmm. It just totally depends on, like, where we are in life. And, like, depending on your age, that can make a really big difference. Um, Stuart and I have pretty much always been close. Um, But there is, like, it is interesting because there's this overall sense of, like, community in the sense that we both like we've all had the same parents we've all had the same grandparents and there's almost like an assumption of uh, living as the same experience kind of but then as Mm -hmm. we've gotten older I think we've realized that a lot of those experiences are way different than what we assumed they were like when we were growing up so like Sometimes some of my memories, for example, of like my grandparents and the feelings that I have towards them have been really different than some of my siblings. And growing up, I would have thought that they would be the same. But it's not always the case. I see. And I think gender is a really big part of that, too, Um, especially in like the way that we were raised and everything. Like I think that the way like the expectations and the way that, like, men were treated was different than the way that girls were treated for better or for worse. I will say I think, like, the expectations were, like, way higher on my brothers than what they were for us women. Yeah. Um, and that can be 
devastating for us. It can be devastating for them, depending on how you take it. Sure. Um, but I do think, like, the the question of, like, who I am or who any of us are outside of the relationships that we have with our siblings is it's a it's a big question mark and I honestly truly I avoided I was able to avoid a lot of those questions and a lot of those assumptions that come with it with siblings because I I changed schools so when I was going through elementary school and middle school you know all of my teachers had taught Kendrick you know, like who was twelve years older than me. Right. So their their knowledge of me was completely wrapped up in their knowledge of all of my siblings. <laughs> you know? Sure. But when I moved schools, like that changed. And all of a sudden Yeah, you got to experience it without that. Yeah, too. all of a sudden their perspectives of me um was based pretty much solely on myself. And that's a completely mm-hmm completely different environment for better or for worse to be you know like it's just it's impossible to say I think it would be way different to have a twin I thought this book was really interesting though because I think I've always kind of like enjoyed the idea of twins like of either being one like that's a people like that yeah you know as like oh, this is someone that, like, could really, truly understand me, like, or, like, would 100% be in my corner because we, like, shared womb together, you know? Like, and I think think these, like, idealizations are kind of, like, I I don't know. I found found them common. Like, I've, I've heard a lot of people say they wish they had a twin or that they, like, wish they could have twins or something like that. I think the idea of twins is just interesting period like I don't know I do too I think it is I think it's also interesting it's yeah and I I do too I don't know I guess I've never really thought about the idea of if I would want to like be a twin but I do think that twins are interesting and that's an interesting concept and like I can see things that would seem appealing about that yeah well and I think in this in this book where so many questions about, like, identity are brought up, I think it brings to the forefront, like, question of nature versus nurture, which is something that, like, is Mm -hmm. really interesting, especially when you're looking Mm -hmm. at um, these twins who aren't, like, explicitly described as identical, but seem to be visually identical. Yeah, because there's so much talk about dressing them alike, and, and I don't think it would be right. as much of a thing if. And, and well, he's, no, and it he's is because by they how... even talk about the idea of Cassandra. Well, and Cassandra even talks about going. Part of how she's going to break up the wet <laughs> the wedding is she's going to go to the airport to pick up Judith's uh-huh. fiance, pretending to be uh-huh. Judith, and will break up with him. For her. Like, this is yeah. her brilliant... This is hilarious. That like, she makes up in a and, drunken like, stupor. So hilarious. <laughs> so when they're, like, drinking together at night, and they're, you know, just talking, and you can just... I love how that whole thing is represented. Like, there's, again, so much that's not yeah. said, but you can just picture this, like, long night of them just talking and moving locations around the ranch and, like, different conversations, and they're in different, like, 
interactions, but just like this like long montage night of yeah. it. I can you can just like picture it. And the, some of the things they talk about is Cassandra's like, well, basically admits what she came here to uh-huh. do. And again, that's not explicitly said, but you can tell that that gets out like or Judith realizes that, yeah. you know, because Cassandra can't read anybody and doesn't realize that Judith probably has this all figured out yeah. now. But she's going to go to the airport to pick up Judith's fiance, pretending to be Judith and will break up with him for her. I'm like, what the hell? I mean, it's so ridiculous. So, yeah, obviously they're identical. Right. I but know, I, but, but, it, it, but like especially. And he's so nice. Oh like her God. fiance is such a nice guy. Like, just so great. He's, okay, can I just tell you, one of the funniest aspects of this book, like, if we're running and basing <laughs> our, like, relationship under, like, our our our, our uh, knowledge of their relationship under, like, 1950s prospects, then, like, I'm assuming yes. that they're, they've yet to have sex. Um. So, like, their wedding night, instead of him, like, making love to his wife... He is like clutching the naked body Saving of her, her twin identical sister. sister, naked body of yeah. her identical yes. sister, performing mouth to mouth. Like it is like the f- kind of when you think about it in that context, it is kind of the funniest like suicidal revival. I know scene it's it's ever. hard. I know. It's so weird to think about that because it's so tragic and it's not represent. I don't feel like it is written in like a way that minimizes the seriousness of it. But it's like it shows the seriousness of it while also showing the absurdity that is like life sometimes. And like like the timing of the events is just like funny. And and how people don't know how to talk about it, like you know, even how she like basically is hiding what's going on from her grandmother, oh my God. like grandma, and just, then kind just of burn hiding three it. But then things of toast, okay? Cassie needs it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah, like and then like kind of hiding it from her father, and then you realize her father now understands what's going on and can't process it, so he's like staying out of it, but trying to be helpful. Like and it's just like this is how it works, right? And then. And then the scene where the doctor comes, so she has called, she has to call and get a hold of Dr. Branson, I think, Cass, uh, Cassie's therapist, to find out what Cassie took so they know how to best help yeah. her. And so she's able to tell her what she has prescribed and learns, you know, what's happened. And then the doctor comes to check Vera on Mercer, her. That's her and name. And visit her. Yeah. Which. What? The, the doctor's name is Vera Mercer. Which was an interesting Okay, how I read it is, like, they had a thing. Okay. Like, there is a sexual or either it's either sexual or there's the danger of it becoming that. Like, it hasn't, but there's obviously an attraction between her therapist and herself, who's, an, you know, an older woman. Uh-huh. And that's what I read. Is that what you read? I think this is a perfect cliffhanger to end the episode on because we are 55 minutes in. Oh, like, okay. See, this book is so good. I could just talk about this book I forever. Know. This is, there's just. Hey, thanks for keeping us on track, Sadie. So, well, if I didn't, we would literally be talking for another hour on that context alone. Like, it's just so interesting. Oh my gosh. Just that scene. Just, the, just those whole yeah. scenes. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll save it. We'll save it because it's really good. Okay. So again, guys, <laughs> if you haven't, um, 
please go get a copy, listen to whatever Cassandra at the Wedding by Dorothy Baker. It's so worth it. It's been one of my favorite books that we've done. Yeah. Obviously, we've just been rambling about it forever. I can't believe how much I've um, it's so fun to talk just about. talking about this book because it's just so good. I know. It's so enjoyable. I know. Um, so, yeah, go get a copy and then uh, also pick up a copy of The Hate You Give uh, by Angie the, Thomas. The author's Angie name? Thomas, I think. Thank you. Um, Because that will be the next one we're doing. Uh, So, yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. We have so much fun doing this. So we appreciate that anyone (laughs) listens because we just have a great time. Um, It's so nice to talk about books like that. So anyway, um, thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.